Alright everybody, welcome to Talking Taker, episode number 24, our exploration, digging up the career of the greatest professional wrestling character of all time. We appreciate you joining us for yet another round of Dead Man Talking. My name is Alex Dorio, I am one of your co-hosts for this podcast experience, one of the creatures of the night, and I am joined by my fellow creature, my tag team partner, Travis White, and... Travis, man, I've, I've been having issues, man. I, I've been uh, trying to call the WWF Superstar line at 1-900-737-4WWF. I've been trying to find out what happened between Mankind and The Undertaker, but I'm, I'm just getting busy signals. Man, have you, have, have you had any luck <laughs> calling the Superstar line? Trying uh, to get I, this I, info? I've been actually trying to call 1-900-909-9900 to see if Mean Gene could let me know what's going on and see if WCW had a scoop. So... That's such a better number. WCW lucked out there. They had the more memorable uh, hotline number there. Oh, yeah. I remembered it. Not from listening to anything. I just remembered it off the top of my head. 1-900-909-9900. Get your parents' permission. Did they ask? I'm sorry. Little boy, do you have your parents' permission? Yes, sir. Okay, great. Like, how do they know? I think they did ask. Yeah. Uh, Because I... I didn't call that one. I called another one. There was like a local one that was in the... Uh, on the in the Augusta newspaper or something like that. It was like a local one that would have news and info on there. But man, I will go to the grave memorizing the WCW hotline number. I'll never forget mm-hmm. that for the rest of my life. Yep. Uh, I'm sure there's many fans out there just like us uh, that will always remember I hope that. So. And that's who this podcast is for. So we appreciate you listening and, and joining us. Uh, for this next episode, as we continue on this exploration uh, through one superstar's career, one pay-per-view match at a time. And, you know, we've been talking, of course, we're talking about The Undertaker. We're talking about his matches, everything he's done in his career, trying to sum it all up here. Uh, but really, we're also using this as a springboard to talk about the wrestling industry the business in general the changes the evolution of it over 25 26 27 years and you know you brought this up towards the tail end of our last episode as we covered king of the ring 96 but thought we could just spend a few minutes on it because this pay-per-view we're covering right now is the in your house international incident from july 1996 uh for the wwf and the main event for this show is a six-man tag match with British Bulldog, Owen Hart, and Vader, Camp Cornette against Shawn Michaels, Ahmed Johnson, and Psycho Sid. Across the way in WCW, at the same month, July 1996, they also have a pay-per-view with a six-man tag main event. Except this is Bash at the Beach 1996, and the main event is Sting... Macho Man and Lex Luger against Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, and eventually Hulk Hogan against the NWO in their debut. So I don't know any other way that you could explain the state of the business right there when you've got the beginnings of the NWO on the WCW side and then you just have this pretty much absolutely meaningless pay-per-view on the WWF side. It just shows you where the business is at this time and place. I mean, what what do you think of that juxtaposition right there? Oh, yeah. I mean, you get, so that's what, 12 guys? You got a dozen guys? And on the WCW side, every one of those guys are absolute legends. I mean, say what you will about some of them and their personal choices, but in the wrestling business, they're all legends and probably Hall of Famers. 
Um, I guess the only one that isn't is what? Lex? Yeah. Luger? Yeah. Anybody else in that match is a Hall of Famer so far. I'm, he, he probably will be one day. Um, and then on the WWF side, you got, you know, they're trying with some younger superstars and some young mm-hmm. talent and also older talent like Sid. You know, he'd been around earlier and, and Vader. But, um, yeah, it's it's different, man. Um, but, again, the WWF can only go up from here, you know? So they they got that as their main event. They got cartoon characters like T.L. Hopper and a wrestler named Who. Who. <laughs> His name is Who. Exactly. Not yeah, it's just like, are you serious? Um, but then the WCW has the New World Order, you know, and things are getting real. It's realism, realistic. Everybody has their first and their last name. There's no gimmicks anymore, uh, even except for, like, Sting. But other than that, even he, even he's becoming more real, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, right. So, I don't know. It's different, man. Yeah, the WWF is just coasting right now, and the yeah. and WCW is putting on – one of the most memorable storylines and angles and moments of all time in the same month. And this international incident, I'd never seen this pay-per-view before, and, and I remember... Me neither. Yeah, and even even back then when I was watching it for the first time in 1996, it just felt like a meh kind of pay-per-view. It's just there. It's The WWF Championship's not on the line. You've got the six-man tag. You, and and really the story of this match to go back to what we're covering we've got Undertaker going back to facing Goldust after having this really vicious match with Mankind I mean that's the feud everyone cares about is Undertaker versus Mankind <laughs> yeah. and now all of a sudden that feud's just been dropped and we're we're flip flopping back and forth to this Goldust feud uh, it's really weird and it just feels like they're WF is coasting and also just doesn't really know what they're trying to do at this moment. And, I mean, this matchup that we're going to see, and including the build-up to it, just kind of epitomizes that in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, this this um, NWO angle had been building for a little bit, you know, a couple months there. But it was, you know, it had the wrestling world talking back in 96, you know, because... Some people thought it was real, man. Like, in fact, they went to court over it. You know, they got sued. Um, and then, you know, I mean, it became legit. And then WWF brought in fake Diesel and fake Razor and stuff. So, um, but it got real. Yeah, and like you said, um, WWF's just kind of coasting, using uh, using weird gimmicks like Who and TL Hopper and uh, Duke the, the Dumpster and all this stuff. And uh, also, I think their taping schedule. As, as I, you know, yeah. we've been watching some of these Raws yeah. and stuff. You got four shows, four weeks of shows taped on the same night. So that yeah. crowd by the, you know, the fourth week in June that you see on Raw, well, it was taped four weeks ago, and uh, the crowd is definitely way less hot, and the entertainers or, or the performers are sometimes not putting their best foot forward, and you can't blame them. Though. Um, and it seems like they uh, don't really have their priorities straight yet, and I think. WCW NWO kicked it into high gear and uh, made Vince fight from behind, and uh, we'll see how '97 goes because '97 is a great year for the WWF. But yeah, and it'll get better for sure. But I mean, you talked yeah. about uh, thinking it was real, man. I I wasn't even thinking about this, but you mentioned it. I remember I, I watched the Bash of the Beach '96 live at uh, my aunt Kathy's house, who I mentioned uh, a few episodes ago. Uh, I was on vacation in Tennessee. We were staying with her, and, and she was a wrestling fan at, at one point in the old NWA days. So got that pay-per-view because I had to see who was going to be the third man in the NWO, and it ended up being Hulk Hogan. And at that time, growing up, 
Hulk Hogan is what got me into wrestling. So he was my favorite right. wrestler. I ha- I still had in 1996. I still had a Hulk Hogan poster on my wall. But when he came out and he leg dropped the Macho Man and and turned and joined the NWO, told the fans to stick it on that promo, I had tears in my eyes as a 10-year-old kid seeing Hulk Hogan do that. When I got home, I tore down my Hulk Hogan poster. I I threw it under my bed. I had a Hulk Hogan VHS tape, and and I got it out, and I threw it under my bed. I didn't want anything to do with Hulk Hogan anymore. So you talk about... Thinking it was real, man. It, it was real to me back then. Uh, my heart was broken to see Hulk Hogan and, do dude, that. And that is exactly what they wanted to do. Yeah. And that is perfect. People talk about great heels, man. Hulk Hogan was one of the best heels there was yeah. because he was such a good babyface. So when he turned, it made 10-year-old Alex, or excuse me, the Big D, 10-year-old Big D, rip his poster off the wall, man. That's, that's great stuff. And then so, I had an NWO good. shirt like a year later. So. Yep. Yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah. Yep. He couldn't help but uh, enjoy them. So yep, yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, um, I can't wait to talk about the build of this match because it literally uh, one night on Raw it just gets announced we're having this match at International Instant. So I think the Vince McMahon just had like this pay per view slotted in the the calendar, you know. And then he was like, "Oh, well, what can we do? Oh, we'll just do this." Like because they just announced Gold Dust versus Undertaker, and we'll talk about it in just a second when we get to that Raw. But um. It feel like they're not. Maybe he doesn't see how hard he has to try. Maybe he doesn't see WCW as competition yet. Because again, on Raw, he's still doing the stupid billionaire Ted skits and stuff. So, <laughs> kind of making a joke out of it. But once NWO turns up, man, everything gets real. So, well, you talk about not better. not uh, knowing what you got or throwing things out there. The buildup for this begins with Can you believe this? For the first time ever on Raw. On June 24th, 1996, the main event is Undertaker versus the winner of the King of the Ring from the night before, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Man, what a glimpse yeah. into the future that is. Uh, what did you think about this uh, for the for the, their first ever meeting, uh, as far as I know, as far as I've seen? Yeah, as far as I could find online, this was their first meeting. I mean, I thought it was good. Like, did you watch the whole match? I, I did. It was great. Yeah, I thought I it was it. okay. Uh, not to get ahead of ourselves, but I just watched their. They have a match like two months later uh, in the build up yeah. to SummerSlam on Raw, and that match is amazing. Like, it's awesome, yes. and yeah. it's like way better than this one. Uh, so this one was yeah, okay, but, this was cool. but it, it, it's cool yeah, to see. It's, it's cool to see, and it's cool to see Austin still kind of working that Stone and Steve style. Yeah, you know, because oh man, get, you know, in this when this podcast when we eventually get to you know. Um, Undertaker and Stone, the real Stone Cold Steve Austin, you know. Uh, no this, knee braces, just moving nope, around no like. Uh, and he's got the, yeah, he's got the logo on his tights too, doesn't he? <laughs> I, Stone Cold logo. That's in the the next one. Uh, the, oh, okay. the one so later one. on. I yeah, I couldn't remember. Yeah, but it's just yeah, it's cool. It's cool to see. So yeah, really epic. You know, glimpse into the future there. Yeah, and um, the build for for this matchup that we're getting to with Goldust begins right here because uh, before the match begins, Jerry Lawler, uh, that being the heel announcer that he is, is talking about what happened at King of the Ring the night before. Just to recap, of course, uh, Mankind ended up beating Undertaker because Paul Bearer accidentally hit the Undertaker with the urn on the outside, but... Jerry Lawler thinks 
uh, the same thing that Owen Hart thought the night before that Paul Bear might have done it on purpose. That maybe he was right. uh, had some grudge with the Undertaker. He's frustrated with him for some reason. So he's uh, being a heel, talking it up like, "Oh, Paul Bear is turned on the Undertaker. He doesn't trust him anymore. He's he's trying to uh, get out of this." partnership that they have so jerry lawler gets in the ring and tries to pester paul bear tries to stir up dissension in the ranks between those two but paul bear refuses to speak to him he is hiding he does he's embarrassed or he doesn't want to doesn't want to speak to uh, to jerry lawler so you know the mystery is still there in the fans eyes hey listen it was, I, I want to ask you a couple of questions what happened to you last night paul bear huh did you drink a little too much formaldehyde or something your aim a little off. Come on, tell the people what happened. You're looking. Oh, you must be proud of what you did. Your face looks a little ashen. Come on, tell me. If the Undertaker sees what's going on behind him, he's going to come right after the king. Come on, get, get look, look right in there and tell us exactly what happened, huh? What's in that urn anyway, huh? Folgers crystals or something? Come on, there it is, right there. Speak to me. And. Obviously, Paul Bear feels badly enough. Yeah, and I liked it. It kind of came out of nowhere, you know, I came yeah. to ring, you know, and now, because, again, we take for granted they're going to be together, and that's his boy, and, you know, he's he's kind of the caretaker of The Undertaker, and, yeah, it comes out of left field, you know, even just watching the King of the Ring match, if you take away the commentary, you wouldn't, you just think, oh, he accidentally hit him, you know, it was, right. it was a botch, you know, whatever, but then, once you know, like, we know in hindsight where this is headed, but, um... You know, watching it at the time, I'm sure it's just kind of like, well, I wasn't thinking that, but hey, maybe there is something to it. So it's kind of cool. And Lawler is always great to hear him be the you stir up crap. He's a <laughs> master he of that. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, um, but yeah, this Undertaker and Steve Austin match, and then like during the during the contest, Vincent Mann just announces, "Oh yeah, um, at uh, in your house uh, in British Columbia, international incident, it will be Goldust versus the Undertaker." That's it. I mean, that's the build-up. It. it just announces the match. Yeah. It's basically a house show, you know, they're just going to put on pay-per-view. Yeah, that is what, what it feels like. Is. Um, and then yeah. I think Goldust comes out in this one. Like, yeah. yeah. Comes well, out for Goldust comes out. I don't know about that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he comes out for commentary during the, yeah, during the that's end what of the match. Like, with like two minutes left of the match. But he makes a, he does hit something cool here. He said that the upcoming match between he and Undertaker will be their sequel, which, you uh. know, going with his gold dust, you know, his Academy Awards, all his movie puns and stuff. And of course. I thought that was kind of neat. You know? Yes. So, um, uh, yeah, he, he gets involved at the end there. He does. Taker goes for the tombstone on Stone Cold, and then gold dust throws some gold dust into the Undertaker's eyes, which yeah. I really enjoyed. Uh, I don't know why he didn't do more of that. I wish he'd have kept that as his gimmick, throwing gold dust at people. And um, the commentary is putting it over that Paul Bearer really let the Undertaker down again, that he didn't like protect him from gold dust on the outside. And all the while, Paul Bearer is still being like really shifty uh, around the ring, like... Uh, just be acting all weird, and uh, Jerry Lawler tries to confront them again, but the Undertaker goes after Jerry Lawler like he's gonna attack him for even bringing up those sort of questions, and that's how Raw yeah. goes off the air right there with the mystery of what in the world is going on between these two. Why is this partnership that we've seen for the past six years the strongest force in the WWF? Uh, what is what is going on here? Is this the end uh, of their partnership? So a lot of Tension being built up between Undertaker and Paul Bearer is the bigger story, maybe, than Undertaker and Goldust. Right. Yeah, 
And I, I got to give Vince McMahon credit here for you know, the writing of this because, uh, again, we talk a lot about and joke about how he's not a very subtle person. He right. puts it right out there in front of your face. But I will say there's a lot of subtlety to this because, again, um, look at somebody other, you know, there's been what, 14 tag teams break up in WWF this past year or WWE? Yes. And you could all see him coming, basically. Um, but in like even, you know, Chris Jericho and, and Kevin Owens, you knew. They're going to break up, and you could kind of see the seeds being planted. There were no seeds planted until that King of the Ring match, you know? And so, again, it's just one of those things you, you take for granted they're going to be together forever, you know? They're like, you know, a married couple till death do us part. Or, I guess, re-death do us part. Oh, I don't know. there you go. I'll try to make some kind of a Undertaker <laughs> pun. Didn't work. Anyway, um, but, you know, I just so like, they're, you know, it's almost like, uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say, like, they're, you know, there's... They're being very subtle about it here, though. You know, they're not really put pouring it on our faces and making all these backstage things, or you know, it's not. I don't know. It's done very well, I'll say. It is done very well. Um, that part is, but this Undertaker Goldust feud is not really much of anything here. No. Uh, as we the the next week, there's a Goldust match. He faces Mark Miro, but um, I mean, there's almost no mention of this match with Undertaker at nope. all this whole time. Yeah. Uh, it's really more about. A feud with Marlena and Sable, like Marlena's yeah. flirting with Sable, and that's what this whole match is about more than Goldust Undertaker. But um, I just thought it was pretty interesting that you've got on Raw uh, Johnny B. Bad versus Dustin Rhodes uh, in, yeah. in 1990s, <laughs> like a year earlier. That's what that match would have been, and now it's Goldust yep. versus Mark Miro. <laughs> and uh, you know, as a kid, I, I, it took me a long time to realize that. Goldust was Dustin Rhodes. Like, like when he first came to the WWF, it yeah. t- like I saw it in a Pro Wrestling Illustrated magazine and like put that together. I was like, oh, like it's just I didn't watch WCW as much. I knew Dustin Rhodes, but I just didn't put that together. That that's who that was. Um, and I don't know. I didn't feel like that with Mankind either. I didn't realize that was Cactus Jack for a while right. either. Um, yeah, I don't know. Just one of those things yeah. before you had the internet to, to understand all exactly. that sort of stuff. To spoil everything for you. Um, but yeah, I, you know, why did I never use um, Goldust Woman as like a Goldust song? Isn't that a, that's a Fleetwood Mac song, Goldust Woman. That's a great song. They never used it like with him at all. I guess there's too many rights fees. Well, Vincent Man only likes ACDC. Yeah. I think and Alter Bridge. And Alter. So. <laughs> Not a Fleetwood Mac fan. <laughs> no. But I mean, anyway. speaking of music videos, as uh, we go <laughs> yeah, to <great> segue. <laughs> Raw on July fifteenth, there's absolutely nothing on July eighth at all. Whoa, uh, whoa, whoa, yeah. Oh, I was I thought you were gonna say nothing on July fifteenth. Yes, there is the yeah. debut, the Raw debut of T.L. Hopper. Oh, excuse me. On July fifteenth. That's the big focus. And then, yeah, that's the big focus of July fifteenth. What? Immediately after that is one of the best music videos I've ever seen. Please talk about it. Well. <laughs> <laughs> It's just the middle of the show, and Mr. Man's like, "All right, we're gonna show you this great Undertaker music video, <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's on MTV in 1984 or something like that." Um, and they show a video that is the Undertaker's theme music. Um, it's a little bit remixed, kind of sounds like his 1998 yeah. version a little bit in there as yeah. well. And it's clips of his career, uh, then. All of a sudden, in the middle of it, there the music breaks down, and there's clips of mankind beating up the Undertaker. Then we go back to the regular video and showing kind of some modern clips of him dominating the last couple months. Then the music slows down again, 
and it's black and white footage of Goldust beating up on Undertaker. Then we go back to just like Undertaker clips throughout his career. He, they show a lot of him like building caskets and things like that. Yeah. And then all, it's all stuff we've talked about. Oh on yeah, the show. for sure. All and the iconic thing with the vulture and it even has him and, and Steve Austin from the week or the month before. It has a choke slam on Steve Austin in that. And yeah, then, then it is, and it, it has like the yeah. music video, like the titles uh, at the end of it with Jim Johnston's name on there. Yep. So I don't know if they're trying to win a video music award or something like that. I don't know what this was all about, but that's how they decided to build this matchup. Yeah, that's it. And, and man, it was strange, but I don't know. Now I was reading somewhere, doing a little research too, seeing like just why was that in here, and <laughs> I can't confirm this, but. I think th- during this Raw taping was when the Ultimate Warrior left because he was oh. at King of the Ring with Lawler. And I think they taped some stuff with him on this set of Raw tapings, but then he like had that contract dispute yeah. and left. So what someone was surmising online was that possibly they just interjected this in there because that was an Ultimate Warrior segment. I don't know if that's the case or not, but it's a good little theory. I mean, it makes sense because I know there was some stuff filmed with Warrior during this Raw taping, so that could be it. Anyway, we got a great music video. So I'd encourage everyone to go watch it. It's awesome. Not really, but kind of. <laughs> that so. actually makes a lot of sense. Uh, that that would explain why that's just thrown in there randomly all of a yeah, sudden. Yeah, because it's not like it's not like the Triple H like coming back from nine months off or you know uh, the um the, all those videos they should show in the early two thousands. Right. You know? This is not how you uh, typically like, book up feuds. Yeah, it was just like oh here's a great video from the Undertaker. <laughs> so I don't know, but it was you know the MTV generation that era so I did enjoy it uh, I enjoyed it a lot more than did you see these uh, building up uh, watching these Raws did you see the ads for the house shows that they would show on these Raws the uh, attitude Holy adjustment crap. to yeah. it feel it With like the guys, like this is their image of a WWF fan back then. This guy with his eyes rolling in the back of his head, going cross-eyed, being electrocuted in the middle of a ring. Like that yeah. was the logo <laughs> that they showed. Like the yep. dorkiest guy ever. That's what they thought of their fans back then. Yep. So. Yep. <laughs> Terrible, uh, man. Terrible. But yeah, I mean that's all we got uh, as we go that's into <laughs> international <laughs> incidents. That's it. Uh, that's okay. Um, now, did you think okay the the beginning of International Instant the actual logo for it it did it remind you of WWE Confidential? Oh, I didn't think about that, but it, 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 it does. I, as soon as I saw it, I was like, man, it reminds me of Confidential. Uh, that, that was a great little show. I enjoyed that show. Oh yeah, I enjoyed I that wish too. It would come back. That was a network. precursor to a lot of stuff that we see on the WWE Network in a lot of ways. I know. Yeah. It sure was. But when I saw it, I, you know, I started the pay-per-view, and I always like to watch the beginning is to yeah. see who the commentators are and how it starts and stuff. And uh, even though I don't watch the whole show, but it just – the logo came on. I was like, man, it reminds me of, of WWE Confidential. So anyway, on commentary, we got Vince, uh, Jerry Lawler, and good old JR. So – Pretty cool. Yeah, kind of a, a classic commentary team there. Uh, JR says as this match is beginning that a lot of mind games have been played between these two as of late, and I just was like, no. <laughs> They've done almost nothing to build this feud up. What are you talking about? Yeah. You're just making that yeah. up, JR. But I appreciate it. He's trying to get people into it. Um, yeah. 
And yeah, like I said, that this is semi main, right? It's the next to last match. I yeah, think. yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Um, and I think we both already mentioned this is the first time either of us have ever seen this match. Uh, I used to yeah. watch every WWF pay per view, but for for some reason, I don't think I ever saw International Incident. So this was a first time for me. Um, yeah. And Undertaker's coming off his first two match pay per view losing streak of his career, so this is big for him, trying to regain momentum. Um, there's just, I just wrote down a couple great lines on commentary that uh, I think Jim Ross said um, as Undertaker is walking out. And the judge from Transylvania gives the Undertaker a perfect 10. Which you mentioned, Undertaker <laughs> should get a perfect 10 for all his uh, uh, acrobatic moves, and JR agrees with you. I man. know. He does, yeah. The judge from Transylvania. I heard that too, and I was like, "What is he talking about?" <laughs> so, I just was there. Oh, he's from Death Valley. He's not from Transylvania. Also, the Olympics were in Atlanta this year. That it, they were they? going on at the same time. Yeah, that's probably. Oh uh, yeah, okay, that's probably it. All right, there you go. Good on you, Jr. But I do want to mention, like, this Canadian crowd loves the undertaker when his music hits they, i mean they go nuts i haven't seen an ovation like this in a while like i don't know how many folks were at this show it's a, i mean probably a couple four six thousand i don't think it was a big event but man they go crazy i always love shows in canada because it's like a strange place to have wwf shows you never know how they're going to react or who they're going to pop for sometimes they hate the good guys and love the bad guys but here man they are they are all for the undertaker well, yeah, and, really I think, cool to see. and I think back then they were more starved for shows. Like they didn't come to them yeah. maybe quite as often, so they were really into it. But yeah, you know, is a uh, is Vancouver, British Columbia? Is that really like an international incident? Like, are we really calling yeah, that? You could throw a rock to Seattle from there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they oh. could have been in Seattle the, like an hour before and walked across. So. Yeah, they were really yeah. reaching for that pay per view name. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. Again, they just had it booked probably, and they're like, oh, we've got to do the in your house. We'll just call it international. International isn't it, pal? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but yeah. before the match starts. They've got some tax breaks from filming there. Like every every oh. show on television films in Vancouver now. So. That's true. <laughs> um, before we, the match starts, I want to say one thing that Jerry Lawler said. Uh, i got to throw my favorite Jerry Lawler lines in there. Uh, as Paul Bear is carrying the urn to the ring, he says, Whose ashes do you think are in that urn? Because his whole feud with Jerry Law- with uh, Jake Roberts is based on Jake Roberts being an alcoholic, so he's just saying he's so full of alcohol <laughs> that cremated him and it burned for four days. That. I completely <laughs> missed that. Oh man, I'm so stupid. Yeah, now it makes perfect sense. And how mean? How mean? <laughs> really? That's really like bad. saying Paul Bear's blood was ragu. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry Law didn't hold back, oh. man. No, he's got absolutely no filter. Oh, what a horrible thinking to say to someone. Uh, that that sets great. the tone right here. <laughs> I love that. I love that now. That's so awful. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so Undertaker comes out and JR discusses how it's been tough times. Like you said, he's he's on a two-match losing streak. And um, Goldust in the ring, and he well, he's standing on the outside at this point. Um and he is apprehensive to get into the ring. 
I'd like to mention that he's apprehensive because the commentary continues to mention how he's apprehensive <laughs> to get into the ring, Goldust is. He's very apprehensive to get in the ring. Did you notice how apprehensive he was? Yeah, talk about subtlety. <laughs> they, yeah, they... yeah, exactly. That's the opposite of what I was talking about when yeah. uh, it comes to the, the, the cracks in The Undertaker and, and uh, Paul Bear's uh, relationship. They throw the word apprehensive, seriously, probably six times in like 80 seconds. It's ridiculous. So, well, they have to keep talking about it because they stall for about five minutes here at the beginning of yeah. this match. So they got to find something yeah. to talk about. Yeah, but I do want to say this again. I know that we talk about Undertaker's character, and he stares a hole through gold dust. He does yes. not take his eyes off of him. Um, again, it kind of reminded me of like the very first several matches we watched when he was like that. You know, he kind of just would stare a hole through people and um, never break character. And again, we've mentioned in the last several podcasts how he's becoming more human. But here at the beginning of this match, it made me feel like an old school Undertaker, just the way he was just staring down gold dust, who was. Again, uh, apprehensive to get into the ring. So. Yes. Oh. He's doing everything he can to get out of it. He uses the referee as like a shield as he goes into the ring. DQ. Should have been. not a DQ? Should have been. He touched the referee. Yeah. 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 So. Uh, oh, anyway. He's rubbing himself up and down. He, he tries to leave <laughs> with Marlena, just stalling and stalling and stalling. But eventually he pulls uh, – Goldust pulls Undertaker out of the ring uh, but Undertaker chops him down and then just starts the match. He sort of like almost choke slams him straight onto the steps. Uh, yeah, he lands. Goldust lands on his butt, and yeah. it hurt me. Like it hurt my spine watching that because I was like, Man, that had to hurt, you know. Well, Jerry you Lawler said Steve Austin talk about nowadays like how you know taking this bump from the stunner on his tailbone probably yes. shortened his career, and uh, taking a choke slam on your butt on the stairs probably shortened Goldust's career, but. It's 2018, and he's on 205 Live, baby. He's so. still hanging in. Uh, but uh, the King noticed. Uh, the King noted that that must that was just like the movie Spinal Tap when he landed on his <laughs> he spine. Does, yeah, he has a lot of movie puns. Oh, man. I felt like he just had a list of movie puns like written uh, on the table, and he was just going through them, like checking them off. <laughs> yeah. He must have wrote yeah. them down like the day before. He was like, I got to throw this in. I got to throw this in if I can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, he he turns the puns up to eleven. That's great. Turns a little spinal tap for you, uh, yeah. But um, lands on his butt, and then Undertaker slams his head to the stairs, and he goes to smash uh, Goldust on the outside, but Marlena gets in the way. Such right. a great heel manager move. Yeah, you know, the damsel in distress. You know, she's you know he's not gonna hurt Marlena. You know, uh, he does have a heart, Undertaker. Somewhere in there. Like, well, I don't know. Something in there. That's the old muscle. Uh, but then, anyway, yeah, she gets in the way. <laughs> and uh, uh, just a great heel move, you know. But then they get back in the ring, and he's choking. Uh, he being Undertaker is choking Goldust in the corner. And as he's doing this and kind of, you know, stalking the referee away. Because, again, I love that Undertaker has not lost that. He's still, when the referee gets to four, Undertaker stares him down and stalks him halfway across the ring. Every match. I love it. But as he's doing that, Goldust is trying to take off the turnbuckle pad uh, kind of, you know, untie it and everything. And, uh, yeah, then I think there's a clothesline and a leg drop. And at this point, it's all Undertaker. Um, yeah, you talk about a great heel maneuver, untying the turnbuckle in there. We just don't see yeah. that sort of stuff anymore. Uh, it's just classic. He's going to uh, – and it's just good storytelling in wrestling. Like, because yeah. most of the time – 
you untie it and then you don't quite get to use it and then it, and it's just sitting there you know it's going to get used you're just waiting for it. the tension's building for when is that turnbuckle yeah. going to come into play uh, but yeah undertaker takes over and king throws in that he needs to see his physician dr strangelove uh, <laughs> yeah. just continuing to amp up the movie puns for gold dust it's fantastic yeah. um but um yeah uh, Goldust gets a thumb to the eye, tries to throw some offense whoa, 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 in there. Whoa, 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 okay, whoa. he Sorry. gets a thumb to the facial area. Excuse me, Vince Man says. Excuse me. Uh, what's a facial area? <laughs> he said thumb to the facial area. I, I just wrote no, Vince. It's his eye. <laughs> it wasn't a facial area. It, it was his eye. Like I don't know why Vince Man says these things sometimes. Like his big man is you know. Some of those things drive me crazy. Like, I don't know. Anyway, continue. Sorry. <laughs> I don't understand it either. Uh, but yeah, that he is able to wear down the facial area. Uh, but Undertaker <laughs> takes back over, and we go into all his uh, greatest hits. The, the old school rope walk, big body slam. We get the RIP chant from the crowd. It is really, really loud. Undertaker. Rings. These idiots have stolen rest in peace. Yes, they are. He gets the perfect 10 landing on the outside and then his little rope uh, stunner uh, on the apron. Oh, yeah, yeah, I love that. Yeah, that's the apron a great stunner. Move. So good. Uh, but then Goldust is able to turn the tide by using that exposed turnbuckle uh, to finally take over. Um, and so he takes control, gets the stairs, and slams the stairs on top of Undertaker. And uh, locks in a camel clutch. Uh, it's pretty lazy yeah. camel clutch, but he gets it locked yeah. in there. Yeah. I guess Jimmy Corderas, I think he was the referee at this point. And uh, going bald, even like at 28 <laughs> years old, however old he is at this point, he looks he's super balding. But I think it was Jimmy Corderas. But, yeah, when he, he hits Undertaker in the back with the steps on the outside, I don't know where the referee was. Uh, I can't remember if he was distracted by Marlena or um, Paul Bear. I don't think that the – production crew got a shot of the referee so i was i was wondering that but yeah the camel clutch man for like that's a big move a big guy move in my opinion right like, you know kind of weird for gold or even big papa punk you know he's a big muscular dude it's kind of weird for Goldust, but he's been working on his back you know his back got that's hit true. by the turnbuckle pat or the exposed turnbuckle and then he hit him with the stairs so i mean psychology wise it makes sense it makes sense um but yeah it does seem like a lazy move for Goldust. He's just taking a rest hold. So. <laughs> well, uh, it doesn't last for long. Undertaker's able to fight out of it, get a big boot. And then we get uh, the highlight <laughs> of the match for me. Uh, Undertaker goes for Tombstone, and Goldust sort of slides out of it and fights out of it, like, awkwardly. And so all of a yeah. sudden, the Undertaker busts out of his arsenal a small package of all things. And I literally <laughs> laughed out loud when I saw the Undertaker get... A small package for two. This was uh, I fantastic. <laughs> I laughed just like I am right now, man. I cannot believe it. I cannot believe my eyes. <laughs> I don't think JR could either. Did you write down his quote? He said something like, well, we haven't seen him do that move before. Yeah. But he's like, he did with the inside cradle or whatever. But yeah, I guess. You think he just went for the tombstone like too early? Because the end is coming right here. But you think he went for it too early or something? Or I don't know. If- it did not look planned. I don't know if he went for it too early or if Goldust was not supposed to reverse out of it because they yeah. they rolled right into the finish right after that. They go right back, yeah. and he does a clothesline and then another tombstone, hits the tombstone right after that. So somebody screwed up. I couldn't tell if it was Undertaker yeah. or Goldust, but it was really weird. But 
I mean, kudos to Taker for thinking on his feet and yeah. keeping the match going. Oh, yeah. But who knew that he yeah. knew uh, had the small package in his arsenal? I mean, this is episode 24, right? And that is the first time we've seen that. We've, we've yes. gone on with six years in his career as the Undertaker. So, yeah. For all I know, we may we'll never see him do it again tricks. either. Uh, yeah, I hope not. I hope it's a one-time, one-time only, man. Me too. But, uh, yeah, why don't you take the ending right there as we roll into it? Oh, yeah, so, again, they go that inside cradle, he gets a two, and he goes after that, he gets up and just does the running, diving clothesline, and then hits the actual tombstone, and then he goes for the pin, uh, very slow pin, he crosses his arms, and you can see, uh, if you look now, Jimmy Corderas is looking out of the corner of his eye like, something's gonna happen, you know? So he goes to count one, and he goes to count two, and then Mankind comes up through the ring, uh, in the bottom corner, and he, I think he grabs Undertaker's leg and, you know, breaks the, the three count up, so Undertaker does not get the pinfall, and then he hooks in the mandible claw and drags Undertaker down into the ring, which we've seen him do to, uh, to, to Diesel. Diesel, right? Right. Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> so, really cool, again, mind games, Mankind's using Undertaker's own gimmick against him. Comes out again, got, got him with that mandible claw again. This is what yes. the fourth or fifth time now. Yes. Yeah, takes him down below the ring. Um, then he comes out of the ring and the smoke billows out of the hole. Um, and then the gong hits, the lights flash, and Paul Bear's kind of looking around like, what's going on? Um, and Mankind like gets down on all fours and he's looking in the hole, like, you know, yeah. eyeballing around and sticks his head down there. So, <laughs> like, he doesn't you know. know what's going on either. And yeah. Uh, <laughs> The announcers yeah. are saying we may have seen the last of the Undertaker. That was it right there. Yeah. Um, even though, yeah, like you said, they they couldn't quite get the timing right when it first happened. Like the ref is stalled. Undertaker doesn't go for the pin for a really long time on yeah. Gold. They're waiting on Mankind to pop up, and uh, he just barely makes it out to to drag Undertaker oh, yeah. down before the three count. So uh, Undertaker officially wins by disqualification there. Right. Uh, but yeah, Mankind is searching for Undertaker. The smoke is billowing out. The crowd is chanting, rest in peace. When yeah, all of a sudden... Are, they're into it. They're into it, yeah. All of a sudden, Undertaker pops up out the opposite side of the ring. And that gets a huge yeah. pop from the crowd. And finally, oh, yeah. man, after, I guess, what is it, three months now since April, finally, The Undertaker is getting some revenge and getting one up on Mankind. Mankind has dominated mm-hmm. this whole feud. And finally... Undertaker is getting some, and he, like, unloads on Mankind. They fight all the way to the back, uh, and the crowd is going nuts for it to finally see uh, the Undertaker get a little bit of heat back uh, from this feud that Mankind has just been dominating. It's perfect. It's really well done. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I, I just throw this lots of aggression. Again, like yes. you mentioned, they're matching King of the Ring. You know, it's just he turned it up to a different level. Like, to use Spinal Tap, he turned it up to 11, man. Turned it up to 11. <laughs> He's going nuts, and he just beating him up, and so much aggression. Again, like you said, it's been three or four months here of never getting the upper hand, and he finally gets a chance to. And, yeah, they, they fight to the back, and uh, go commentary table talks about, you know, what's going on. And we cut back to the back, and we see Undertaker and Mankind are battle, battling in a boiler room. <laughs> yep. Which is a little bit of foreshadowing to what's to come. But they're like, well, that's some kind of a boiler room or something. Again, that's not a term you hear very often, but right. they really got to put that word over. But yeah, they're battling in the in the boiler room, and um, yeah, that's kind of how the, this particular part ends. Uh, and then we go on to the main event of the show, uh, which is that six man tag, 
and there's no resolution to the Undertaker Mankind until afterward. There's a there's a um, extra. Now I wonder was, was the extra the International Instant Extra was it on the actual pay per view or just on the home video? Yeah, I'm not totally I don't sure. Know. I don't remember. Um, but anyway, it's, it's in the back, and you got Doc Hendricks interviewing Gorilla Monsoon, and uh, he says that it's going to be The Undertaker versus Mankind at SummerSlam, at SummerSlam, excuse me, in a match that they'll start in a boiler room. That's all we have. That's it. <laughs> we just know they're going to begin the match in a boiler room. So <laughs> I wonder if they hadn't quite got the logistics worked out of the what exactly a boiler room brawl is, but they're just like, they're going to begin the match in the boiler room. So, you know? Yeah, that that's all we know so far. Um, I mean, kudos to Gorilla Monsoon. He's on the ball. He's making matches oh, yeah. already, man. He's a he's a wheeler and dealer, making moves. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, the feud is gonna continue. We're gonna see an uh, Undertaker and Mankind for the second time at SummerSlam. Uh, we're gonna see this feud uh, come to a head, possibly, or uh, just reach another crescendo in it i guess i don't know uh, what you want to say but very exciting very intense uh the match with Goldust and undertaker kind of sucked nothing special there but a, a yeah. great angle to close things out playing on uh, you know what undertaker had done with diesel back in february and then playing on undertaker and mankind's feud uh so a lot of great storytelling in there and uh just one other quick highlight in there when they Go to the back, and then they cut back to the announcers. They're selling it real big, uh, what, trying to figure out what's going on. And as they're talking, a fan in the crowd puts a Burger King crown on Jerry Lawler's <laughs> yeah. head while he's not paying attention. And Jerry Lawler doesn't notice it for a few seconds. And then he looks up and sees what's going on, and he gets pissed. It's like, he gets legit, security! Yeah. Security! Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. think he actually threw that fan. I think like he was just selling it, but it was... Uh, yeah. It was hilarious. It was, it was fun. Perfect. It was fun to watch. So, yeah. And, but this match that. with Goldust was 12 minutes and 7 seconds. I usually always put the timestamp in there for you guys. Um, but, yeah, again, it, it it was what it was. But, again, Goldust, bless his heart, he's just kind of a, a speed bump in the story of Mankind and Undertaker again, you know? Again, like I said, they probably just had this show booked, and they were like, well... You know, we'll just prolong this Mankind story. You know, like we said for last week's episode, um, you know, we talked about Mankind having something to prove. You know, maybe they, you know, drew out or drug out this story long yeah. line a little bit longer than they intended because of how intense that match was. I don't know. We don't know. No one knows but Vincent Mann, I guess. But, um, you know, it's, I, I'm glad that it's going on, the Mankind Undertaker story, because we get some good stuff coming up here in the rest of 1996. Um, and then throughout the rest of their careers together. But, yeah, Goldust, thanks for playing, man. We appreciate it. <laughs> We're glad you were a pawn in the story. But uh, these two matches y'all have had have not really been the five-star classics or anything. But right. they are what they are. They're more of a storytelling stuff. So. And the story's going to get very exciting next month. Something very big in store. Uh, that's kind Ooh, of yeah. how this pay-per-view, uh, their segment on it ends, that something big is in store next month. And it is... We're going to cover the Boiler Room Brawl, not next month. We're going to cover it next week right here on the podcast, next Friday. So uh, we that's one match I've been very, very excited to cover uh, since we started this, was the Boiler Room Brawl for SummerSlam 96. So be sure to watch that uh, before next week's episode. And 
Be sure to let us know what you thought about this match, about this episode. Let us know all your thoughts about Undertaker Goldust International Incident, if you have any thoughts about it uh, at all. Uh, if you remember anything about it, hit us up on Twitter at TalkingTaker, on Facebook, TalkingTaker. Uh, my Twitter is at AlexDorio. You can leave us a comment on iTunes, on YouTube, on Stitcher, on Podomatic, on Google Play. You can subscribe to us. You can leave us a rating on all those things, and we would greatly appreciate all of those things. We love it to hear from our listeners. We love to shout you guys out. Uh, we love to retweet you. We love to put your comments here on the podcast. So give us all of that, and uh, we'll give it all back to you, I guess. Over on our Twitter page as well, you can take the poll for this week's matchup. Let us know exactly what you thought of Undertaker versus Goldust. Last week's poll result on the King of the Ring 96 match between Mankind and Undertaker, an overwhelming 80% of you gave that match a thumbs up, and only 20% gave it a thumbs in the middle. So everybody was big fans of last week's matchup. It'll be interesting to see what you thought of this week's. And on our Twitter, you can also see our live running tweets and commentary on this past week's Raw 25 episode, including all of our thoughts and many of your thoughts as well on The Undertaker's appearance, that uh, confusing interview segment that we got to see there. Uh, we retweeted a lot of your comments about it. And I also dropped uh, my new theory about The Undertaker's involvement with WrestleMania over on our Twitter page. So go check that out. If you were there in British Columbia, please uh, let us know. You know, let us know your thoughts about the NWO when they formed and, you know, how that changed the business uh, or changed WWS business. And also, again, getting ready for next week's episode, man. Uh, if this, you know, we talked early on in this podcast about how this is the story unfolding of The Undertaker and how long he's lasted. And uh, let's say the first five or six years was... Um, Star Wars A New Hope. Mm. Well, this next chapter is Empire Strikes Back, and it's about to get, boom, about to blow your mind what's going to happen at uh, at the Boiler Room block, Brawl. Excuse me. So get ready, folks. I love it. Coming. That's yeah. a perfect anyway, analogy man. right there. Yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, take her easy. Shadow of a woman Ooh, black